This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Odds and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Bramer. Scopel is with me as always, and it was an eventful weekend from a basketball standpoint, because multiple Oregon Duck rookies made their debuts in the WNBA, most notably the number one pick and the greatest player ever to play at the University of Oregon, and that's Sabrina Unescu. We're going to dive into kind of the opening weekend of the WNBA and just kind of, uh, if you're a Duck fan and you're looking for sports, you had an opportunity to watch some former Ducks make their pro debuts, and we'll, we'll break that all down. Uh, but first, if you are not a subscriber to DuckTerritory.com, highly encourage you guys to do so today. You could join for as low as $1. Get your first month of VIP membership for $1, $9.95 there after that. Uh, you get inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks. You get recruiting news. You get team news. You get uh, follow-ups on former players that are now playing pro sports like we're going to discuss here on the podcast. Uh, you get to join a great Oregon Duck football, basketball, recruiting community. Uh, we discuss it all, even more than those topics, on the Oregon uh, message boards and um, on 24-7 sports and just a, a good overall site. And if you're looking to, to mingle online with some fellow Oregon Duck fans and uh, discuss the Ducks, great place to try it out, duckterritory.com, for as low as $1 for your first month. Okay, Eric, um, there were some WNBA games that started off the opening weekend for the WNBA was Saturday and Sunday. And the first game, counting game that was played uh, included the Seattle Storm and the New York Liberty, which the Liberty drafted Sabrina Unescu. So she got the, uh, the first, she got in on that first game of the WNBA season, shortened season. And they're in what's, I believe they're, they're nicknaming it the Wubble. Is that right? The, the, the yep. female version of the bubble. Yep. And they're playing all the games in Florida uh, at IMG Academy. It's a high school in, the, in, the, in Southern Florida that's uh, loaded with high school talent, and it's a great training facility as well for pro athletes. And um, we'll discuss Sabrina and, and the Liberty's game against uh, the Storm at first. But overall, if, if you're a Duck fan and you're really dialed into watching these games play, there's going to be some adjusting uh, to be had here, right? Yeah, I think my takeaway was, and, and I'll say this, I, I have, am not a historical WNBA viewer. In fact, I, I don't think I've watched more than maybe one game. I think I watched like a WNBA finals game like three years ago because a buddy of mine was into it and I put it on. It was I enjoyed it. I can't say I didn't, but I, I don't have a huge history with the WNBA. And so I spent like the, the couple weeks leading up really researching, learning about it. And, and I'll be honest, the, the product I saw – um, doesn't quite match what I saw from an Oregon women's basketball perspective. Um, I think we've been a little spoiled, um, especially these last couple of seasons. And, and it makes sense when you have players like Sabrina, like Satu, like Ruthie, um, and, and that continuity of, of them playing together. And, and we're, of course, I'm judging players playing for the first time in a long time. You know, it's an extended layoff for a season. You're talking about 
for a lot of them, first time playing with each other, you know, uh, a lot of reasons that the game wouldn't be quite as enjoyable to both of you to watch. And I'm not saying I hated the, the, the watching part of it, but there's something different with, with Oregon women's basketball and what we've seen and the style of play and how they incorporate all parts of the court and how it doesn't, even when you have these incredible one-on-one offensive players like Satu and Sabrina and, and Ruthie, when you get around the basket on the post, it doesn't feel like it's just one-on-one kind of ball-stopping basketball. And unfortunately, I found the three games I watched with the Oregon women's rookies in it, that, that was a lot of what I saw. And, and it, it seemed like, and, and maybe this is also just me watching with a eye on specifically on Oregon players, it felt like there were a couple of players on each of the teams that basically took every shot every time down. And if they didn't take a shot when they had the ball in their hands, it was a shock. And, and that's just such a far cry from, what we saw under Kelly Graves at Oregon with the way they approach things with, I think a point guard like Sabrina running an offense when it's working at all on all cylinders. And we didn't see that, you know, let's talk about that Liberty storm game. Um, Sabrina, you know, finishes with a decent stat line, 12 points, six rebounds, four or six assists. But the thing that stood out was she just couldn't shoot the basketball. Um, and, and I think part of that had to do with just the way the game played out. She took 17 field goal attempts, which was six more than any of her teammates. She took eight three-point shots. She missed them all. Um, I think she was pressing a little bit. And, and I don't – you know, part of that is just her first game. Huge stakes. I mean, the lead-up to this was she was everywhere on social media. She was everywhere on, on the ESPN shows uh, in the days leading up to it um, in commercials for the WNBA a lot of pressure on her, but I, I think part of the reason she puts up, she struggles so much is just because this team is not a, her team's not great. The Liberty, not a very talented team. And, and there's just not that continuity and kind of fun team teamwork aspect that you see. And we got so used to watching with, with this Oregon women's team the last couple of years where everything it kind of felt like it was a well-oiled working machine. And that's certainly not what we saw. I would say from any of the three, or games that I watched this weekend with the Oregon women's players, the teams are kind of working out their kinks, trying to figure things out. And, and I think over time, it'll probably get better. And I'm sure Sabrina's going to put together a much better game on Wednesday when she plays uh, Satsu and, and Dallas. That's going to be a fun game to talk about as well at some point. But yeah, and I know, Matt, you watched a little bit. Do, do you agree? I mean, it's just a little different than what we've seen with the Oregon women. And I know the caliber of player obviously is, is better across the board, but just in, tor- in terms of an enjoyability, it's not quite at the same level as what we saw at the college level, I don't think. Well, I think there's always going to be that natural difference when a player leaves uh, college to go to the pros. Because like you said, all of a sudden, you know, a team that you're made up of enjoying watching all those players play, you're now watching a team particularly to watch one particular player. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that right there, and when, and when the player doesn't do well or doesn't, you know, isn't like a, a has a superstar performance, it can kind of impact the viewership. But I watched a little bit of, of Sabrina's game. Um, I watched a little bit of Sawtooth's game. And more particularly, and for Sabrina, it really felt like Seattle's game plan was make anybody else but her mm-hmm. beat them. And that's where – you know, teams could do that against Oregon when she was with the Ducks, but Oregon had the the talent with Satu and Aaron Boley and Ruthie Hebert um, and, and others on the roster and, and Mignon Morales past season that could explode for twenty points if if you didn't if you forced Sabrina uh, 
you know, to have someone else beat them. And I don't know if the Liberty yet are at that point where she, and this is one game and I'm very, uh, I'm not dialed into women's basketball at the WNBA level, especially the New York Liberty as, as much as I am for Oregon athletics, but the Liberty, I assume, don't have a, a player that's you know similar to, to Sabrina's stature on the roster because if they did, they wouldn't have been picking number one. So it's it's going to be a real good test case to see how good of a player Sabrina is and how much workload can she put on her shoulders and carry her team and raise up the talent around her to get to a point where teams can't just – go box and one on her like the Seattle Storm essentially did because if they do, uh, Sabrina's teammates will be able to pick up the slack and and force their opponent to to change tactics again. And that was the thing that – yeah, a couple thoughts here. Um, Really quick, the the talent around her isn't great, and the thing that makes it even worse is their best returning player sprained her ankle in the first quarter. She didn't come back. It sounds like her – Kian Nurse, she was an all-star last year. It sounds like she'll be back – some point it sounds like it's just a sprained ankle no significant injury uh and then the the second overall pick last year um Asia Durr is not playing at all this year and she was probably going to be that other top scoring option for Sabrina and and so it's that didn't work out for her that's not been particularly beneficial um probably the two best returning players weren't available for majority of the game on Saturday and that doesn't help matters um and, and then in terms of I thought she did an okay job of handling the pressure. And you mentioned the boxing one. They trapped the crap out of her. They, they, they did everything. The Storm have a really good defensive backcourt. You know, from, from my reading, probably the best defensive backcourt in the WNBA. They had the defensive player of the year last year. Um, in in uh, Natasha Howard, they've got a bunch of little guards that can just make things difficult. You think Jordan Canada comes off the bench. Oregon fans remember her when she played at UCLA and went against Sabrina a couple of years ago, and she was always a thorn in, in Sabrina's side. And I thought she did a great job on Sabrina as well. And then uh, they, they start Sue Bird, who's one of the best players in WNBA history. And she's obviously a capable defender and Jewel Lloyd do another really quick little guard. So they brought, they had, they brought it after Sabrina and, and uh, the Liberty coach, Walt Hopkins mentioned that after the game. And I thought she handled it. Okay. And this is what she's going to see at this level. Um, my expectation, though, is she's going to come out on Wednesday and play a lot better. Um, she mentioned in the post-game interviews that she's not used to being the one who shoots it 17 times or eight threes a game. She's used to coming down and kind of initiating offense and kind of being the facilitator. And she doesn't have the team around her to do that. So my guess on Wednesday when they play a much worse team, the Seattle Storm is the best team in the league probably, when they play – Dallas, where Satu plays on Wednesday, my guess is she's going to fill it up. I bet you she goes and has a, a pretty Sabrina-like game. Um, if she doesn't, that's where I would probably start to get worried because that's a matchup with probably the other worst team or one of the two to three worst teams in the league, um, and they they don't have that same kind of dynamic backcourt that the Storm had, that which, which just really seemed to give Sabrina some problems. And, well, I don't want to – I mean, every player is, is under this circumstance and situation, um, but – you also have to factor in the times that we're playing right now, COVID. Yep. Like, I feel like Sabrina definitely is one of those players who thrives, whether it's the fans rooting for her or against her. But I definitely feel like she's one of those athletes that just seems to maybe feed off of the energy that the home crowd or the supportive crowd 
provides to her or feeds off of the ability to quiet down a hostile crowd. And none of that was present. And we also have to understand that there, you know, the training and maybe some of the, the, co- the coaching and the skill development didn't happen uh, for parts of the summer and spring because of COVID. So that also plays into some of the, maybe the lackluster start for, for Sabrina. I don't know if lackluster is the right word, but slower start than we maybe were expecting. Yeah, I, I think she played a good overall game. She just didn't shoot it very well. Um, you know, 12-6 and 4. And, and again, this isn't the NBA. They're playing 40-minute games, not 48. So it's the same amount as you play in college, which I actually – it makes to me it makes a lot of sense not to go off on a tangent, but just to, you should have the same length of games in college and professional basketball. I don't see why you differentiate that like we, we see in the NBA to NCAA. That's another conversation. But I thought she played well despite, despite the, the poor shooting. And, and my guess is, again, I think she's going to come out and perform a lot better on Wednesday. Um when, when it's a little bit different caliber of competition. And, and I think that part factors in, and, and you bring up a lot of good points with the COVID stuff. We, we know that, that it was not a traditional off season for any of these players. Um, you know, they were working on their own skill development, but they weren't together in New York for, for really at all. And then they basically had 10 days before the season starts as a mini training, training camp down in Bradenton to get things going and get underway. So um, it makes sense that that wouldn't be the best opening game and I just I think it's just going to get better for her it really can't get worse in my mind again if, if on Wednesday against the uh, the wings if she comes out and really struggles and maybe has a worse game then I start to get a little bit worried but um, this was against the very best team after a super long break um, with a depleted backcourt around her so I think things are just going to get better now there were two other openings um, from the WNBA's perspective uh, across that had Oregon athletes involved in them. Um, the second one, let's real quickly discuss uh, Ruthie Hebert and her team's performance. Uh, I, I think, were you shocked, Eric, and how little she maybe, Ruthie Hebert played? I think I was surprised. So she didn't, she played seven total minutes and she didn't play at all in the first half. Um, the difference between Chicago and New York and Dallas where the other Oregon rookies play is Chicago is like a contending team. And I, based upon a graphic they showed before the game. And again, I would need to do a lot more research to, to, you know, look this up, but apparently this guy have the most continuity of any roster in the WNBA. They have the most returning. And this is a team that actually lost to the Las Vegas aces who they played on Sunday um, in the WNBA finals, or not finals, but WNBA playoffs last season on like a half court buzzer beater. So this was like a rivalry game with a team back that had its whole team from a year ago back that really wanted this game. So I kind of got it from like a competitive perspective. And again, it's a different situation where she's already entering. So yeah, I mean, so the Sky are like a contending team. I think they were picked fourth or fifth in the preseason kind of rankings and assessment of the league so I'm not like stunned that that she didn't step in and have a huge role but I, I guess seven minutes and we should say she scored she, she comes in in the second half like a minute and a half into the second half and scores within like a minute and you know and she scores four points in, in seven minutes she's two for five from the field so she wasn't exactly bashful in getting the ball up um, and I think I think played okay given the amount of time she received but I, I think this is going to be a season for her where she's really going to have to work to, to really play a big role. Um, they, again, Sky returned 
their starting front court. Um, they were, they returned their starting or their reserve bigs as well. So she's going to have to kind of make a step to, to have a real rotation spot. And I think she, she played well enough, I think to get probably more minutes the next time Chicago plays. Um, they do play the sparks, which, which are a really good team. So I don't know how much they'll play in that one, but, um, for her, I think her situation is just different than the other two, and you have to realize that. A, she was drafted eighth overall rather than one and two in the draft, so not quite as highly regarded in terms of the draft selection. But because she was selected eighth, that means she's on a better team and a more established team. So I guess I'm – long story short, I guess I'm not stunned she played less, but I, I, I think it's just a different circumstance for her than her teammates. Um, and I think Saturday, or Sunday's game really made that clear of like – yeah, she's going to really have to bust her butt and maybe have a couple of things happen around her for her to be a starter or, or even have more than a 10 to 15 minute per game roll off the bench. Now, the other athlete that played from Morgan is Satu Sabli, who was the number two overall pick. She plays for the Dallas Wings and she played, she teamed off with the Wings against the Atlanta Dream and this was a, a game with a lot of offense. Uh, the Wings lost 105 to 95. Sawtu started. So two out of the three rookie Ducks started in the season opener for their respected teams. And I think, Eric, looking strictly at the box score, um, I would contend Sawtu maybe had the most efficient, productive game out of any of them. Based on the box score, you're right. 11 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, five 11 from the field, one for three from three. She did have four turnovers. She fouled out early in the fourth quarter, too, and, and, and only played 27 minutes. And she would have been able to avoid the fouling. And, and maybe that's the thing that – it's funny because I don't think at Oregon I, she had huge issues with foul trouble. I think there were games where she got into it, certainly, but this was not a huge issue. Maybe this is going to be a small thing, but a little surprised that she fouls out that early. Um, and if she had, maybe she ends up scoring 15 or 16 points, you know, has more rebounds and assists and, and the game looks even better. But statistically it does look like I would agree. Like if you were to just put, if you don't watch the games, it looks the most impressive. Now I would probably argue that I thought, and it's hard because Ruthie only played seven minutes, but I don't know if I thought Satu looked any more impressive than the other two. Um, I think looking at Sabrina's numbers, like, she was 0 for 8 from 3. That's a huge outlier for her. She's like a career 42% three-point shooter at Oregon. If she just hits two of those threes, you're talking about a game where she has 18 points, you know, and she's 6 for 17 shooting, 2 for 8 from 3. Wouldn't have taken a lot for her game to be received a little differently. I, you know, the headlines on ESPN are like quiet debut or disappointing debut kind of thing, struggles in opener. If she had 18 points, even on 6 17 shooting, it would be a little different narrative for her. But I thought for Satu, she actually like – the box score is a little bit more favorable than what I saw because I thought she kind of was just um, had a really nice reverse lay-in to score. Similar, again, to, to, to what Sabrina's dealing with, though, is the fact that you've got, I think, team-oriented players in Satu, Sabrina, and Ruthie on teams that are young and kind of up-and-coming that have a little different style of play. And Dallas really relied upon... Um, Angubalale, who was their leading scorer last year, and you re might remember her, Erica Angubalale. I'm going to probably butcher her name, but she played in Notre Dame, won a national championship there, hit a bunch of buzzer beaters, big-time player, rookie of the year last year. She shot 21 times in that game, and a lot of them, to me, felt pretty pretty, uh, pretty aggressive shot. Like, like, like probably could have used another pass, but she put it up. Um, so I, I think Satu, similar to Sabrina, a little bit of like, 
you're, you're going from a, a system where you were team oriented, everybody kind of fits in their roles to now it's a little bit more one-on-one basketball. And I think Satu's certainly capable of excelling there, but she's going to have to get used to it. And it's not by mistake. I think that she led the team in assists with five, um, only took 11 field goals compared to 21 for Angungalale and a couple others shot more than that. So um, I think she has the potential to, to really perform at a high level, but I do think she needs to be a little bit more assertive. And that might be a thing where her playing beside Sabrina for three years really allows her to elevate her game because you're talking about a player who's such a good facilitator, who's so good at getting her teammates in the right spot. Well, now Satu doesn't have a player like that on her team. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve maybe for her in terms of getting used to how her offense kind of fits in with, with what Dallas does. What, who's the player that you're, you think will have – this is a, a crazy question based off of one game each. Yeah. Uh, but after watching one of them you – know, one game from each player at the, at the professional level, uh, it, does your opinion change at all who could have the most successful year – uh, among the three rookies? No, I think Sabrina still has the highest upside. I think the thing that helps Sabrina in terms of like having a big season, I think is that she doesn't have much of a supporting cast. So she's going to be forced to, it's going to be kind of trials by fire here. And that means that she's going to have games like she did on Saturday where she's not particularly effective offensively and, and doesn't play very well. But I think the, 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 the other side of that is that she's going to have games where she just explodes because she's really going to be the focal point of that entire team. And it's pretty clear right now that's the case. Um, on the flip side with like Satu and Ruthie, different roles. I mean, Ruthie's coming off the bench. I think it's unlikely she has a season as good as, as Sabrina unless there's some attrition there and she really works her way into it. And for Satu, I just think that the, the offensive dynamic needs to shift a little bit for her to really have a year similar to, to Sabrina because – you watch them play and, you know, she has the ball in her hands a, a decent amount, but she was probably like, I don't know, maybe had the ball the third or fourth most of, of any of Dallas's starting five, um, at least what she was playing. And that's certainly a different dynamic than you see for Sabrina. So I still think Sabrina will have the best rookie season. I think she'll probably win rookie of the year. Although I know um, Kennedy Carter from uh, Atlanta, I think she had 18 and eight in her debut against Satu on Sunday. And she's probably, along with Satu, um, Sabrina's biggest competition for the award. Lauren Cox didn't play. I think she's dealing with an injury. So um, th- those three are probably the favorites for Rookie of the Year, but I still think Sabrina's got a great chance to, to be the best of, of the rookies this year and take home that award. Um, I just think we're going to see a lot better going forward. What's on the table from a, a WNBA perspective, uh, from an Oregon perspective as well, this, this next week or so? What, anything big coming up in the next week and a half or so? Well, the big – yeah, the, the Tuesday, Ruthie plays her second game. Unfortunately, unless something changes here, that's not going to be televised. It's against the Sparks, who um, looked really good. And I watched quite a bit of WNBA over the weekend. They were probably the most impressive or one of the more impressive teams. So that'll be a fun game. I'm not sure how much she'll play in that one. And then on Wednesday, that this will be the one to for Oregon fans to be aware of, is Wednesday at 5 p.m. It's the Liberty and the, and the Wings. So that's Sabrina versus Satu. And that's at 5 p.m. game on CBS Sports Network. Um Definitely an opportunity to watch two former Oregon greats play head-to-head. Um, something that you just, like, frankly, it's kind of cool that we are going to have that opportunity. Um, on Friday, uh, the Liberty and the Wings also play again. And, and on Thursday, uh, Ruthie's team plays as well. So they, they, there are games at the back end of this week, but the, really the big one is, is Wednesday, and that's one to tune in for, I would say. If you, if you miss the games over the weekend, 
Um, but you want to watch some of the action. 5 p.m. on CBS Sports, you get Sabrina versus Atu. Um, one of two opportunities to watch that all year, and uh, I think a pretty cool opportunity to, to see the two former Oregon stars, number one, number two in the draft, um, face off in a game where these are two of the worst teams, and I think both of them could have big games just because the byproduct of you don't have a lot of great talent around you it means you have a lot of opportunity. And Eric will be breaking all of those down on duckterritory.com as well as we'll, I'm sure we'll uh, dive in and do a little bit more in-depth analysis and discussion of Oregon's athletes that are playing in the WNBA right now as rookies uh, in the next couple of weeks into the next couple of months as the season has now officially returned and they're playing what I believe a 26 game schedule and then the 22 and then playoffs will will start and we'll uh, we'll get a championship and we'll see if one of the three Oregon Duck rookies has some kind of impact on those playoffs. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed the show. Uh, for Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Bream. You've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, fellas. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.